This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up because in just about 12 hours, we're going to see the debate, the debate that everyone wants to see. There might not be another. Let's be honest. If Trump wins big, if he gets really ugly, you know the Biden people are going to say, I'm not going to go down to his level. Mick Mulvaney actually came out and said that. Maria Bartiroma here in 10 minutes. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West right after that. We'll debate all that. And keep in mind, too, if you ever miss the show, just go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Also, you can go to Spotify. You can go to iTunes or iHeart. It's all there. Your chance to, uh, and Radio.com to listen live if you ever leave your local affiliate. So let's go to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 100 million rapid point-of-care tests will be given to states and territories to support efforts to reopen their economies and schools immediately and fast as they can. Uh, That's the President of the United States uh, talking yesterday about tests. They're also talking about a debate package, a rescue package for those suffering from the coronavirus in cities that are flat on their back, like New York City. As New York threatens another lockdown, something I do not believe we will tolerate here in the Big Apple, as some experts brace for a second wave. Number two. President Trump and his party and Judge Barrett will overturn the Affordable Care Act, and they won't stop there. Uh, Senator Kamala Harris, one of her rare appearances, Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett, begins her rounds on Capitol Hill. First for Republicans. Why I don't agree with Ted Cruz, that this will be more personally destructive than the Kavanaugh hearings. Plus, I'll tell you the chances of an up and down vote by 11-3. Number one. I would smoke them out also on a lot of these far left issues about raising taxes. You said you raised taxes twice as much as Hillary Clinton. You said you want a public option. Barack Obama even didn't even go for a public option. How far left are you going to take America? And that's Ari Fleischer is as good as it gets as a communicator. Debate night tonight at 9 p.m. Tune into Fox. It'll be a night Trump has to win if he wants four more years in the White House. I'm convinced of it. Amid New York Times reports on his taxes and a stubborn pandemic, which Joe Joe Biden, almost said Theismann, plans to focus on. Why I believe Trump is better prepared and how I see it playing out. I think Trump knows the issues. That's why Trump had his issues. He had trade. He had Obama being bad. He had pulling out of uh, the Iraq war was a mistake. He had his four things that he stayed with. Now he's got a whole country that he's run and he's been pressed on almost a daily basis, whether it's his own press conference, walking out to the uh, to Marine One. So I think he is ready. I think he's got to be understood for him. If he wants to get some real momentum and headwinds or and uh, tailwinds. He's got to come out big. And it's also, you're going to see Joe Biden befuddled at some point. If Biden comes at him for 90 minutes, goes straight without any breaks, that's going to be a problem for the president saying that he's not competent, not ready. Then he's got to just say it's the wrong policies. He's Elon Omar, just a little bit taller. Here is uh, Ari Fleischer on what Trump has to do tonight. Cut eight. I would smoke them out also on a lot of these far-left issues about raising taxes. You said you raised taxes twice as much as Hillary Clinton. 
You said you want a public option. Barack Obama even didn't even go for a public option. How far left are you going to take America? Force him to unite with Bernie Sanders on these domestic policies. That's where you want to go. And then I'd bring up the Iran deal, too. Um, what he can show is how weak Joe <clears throat> Biden is across the board. He's so weak, he no longer adheres to the positions he used to take. He's so weak, he won't stand up to China anymore. And we have to just see how strong he is just being on a stage at 9 o'clock at night till 1030 at night. Let's watch oh, that, too. God. Yeah, it'd be very interesting because it's not like he's had a lot of runs. They put a lid on yesterday at 940 in the morning. He's been basically rehearsing, they say, for four days. If he hasn't, he's in trouble. Meanwhile, the other big story is uh, Trump's taxes uh, in an extensive story that had to be working on for months, maybe years. New York Times, right before the first debate, waits for October, and there's the, the unsurprising surprise, Trump's taxes. They say they've seen him and they summarized him. They will not tell us who actually released them. Therefore, there's going to be an investigation. Steve Scalise is going to lead that. But the bigger story is what's in them. And what is not there, it shows he is under audit, just like he said. And there's nothing there that seems illegal. Why? The IRS is reviewing him every year. And whether he's getting money back or paying money in, whether he's getting from income tax or whether it's payroll tax, so far everything's above board, unless all of a sudden you think that the IRS loves The Apprentice so much, he didn't really look hard at Trump's taxes. And here's what Alan Gordon said, an attorney for the Trump Organization, who read through the article, and he says this. It's riddled with gross inaccuracies. Both Gordon and uh, Murtaugh, Tim Murtaugh, claims Trump has paid tens of millions of dollars in taxes, claims that could not be verified because Trump has refused to release his taxes, which is true. Also, if you look at the extraordinary assets, own Trump went on to tweet by me, which fake news hasn't. I am extremely under-leveraged. I have very little debt compared to the value of my assets. So Bill de Blasio woke up at 10 o'clock, worked out in Brooklyn, uh, ignored every school he went by that were not ready to open up, and then said this, cut 13. Well, I think we can guarantee, based on the information in the New York Times, that he hasn't paid his city taxes the way he should have. Look, this is going to give us a lot of information to work with, and our city finance department will get to work right away to determine if, in fact, the President of the United States cheated New York City on his taxes. But I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point, given everything we've seen from this guy. Right. So they have no attorney general investigating him already. Oh, excuse me. They're already doing it. They didn't even try to arrest his lawyer. Excuse me. They already did it. If you had years, 30 years of him living in the city and there's been no problem, now all of a sudden you think there's a problem? Really? A bunch of controllers and mayors uh, down from attorney generals, Republicans and Democrats, now there's a problem? This is a concerted effort. This has to bother you. As a American, especially somebody who claims to be fair and balanced, who will vote for the best candidate, isn't necessarily too conservative or too liberal. You must say to yourself, wait a second. This is everybody against him. You literally have the New York Times. The Washington Post had an editorial today saying he's the worst president ever. Of course we're endorsing Biden. The New York Times, a huge, another extensive story on the Trump organization, which they are obsessed with stopping. And they want to make it a bigger deal than it actually is. So here is an echo chamber. Rudy writes, excuse me, the Newsday writes it. Uh, the newspapers write it, all of them. And then all of a sudden the ads roll out. Within an hour, Biden's got an ad specifically about that story that got out. How can that be? Kimberly Strassel, Cut 21. Part of it is context. As somebody who looks at things like this, 
The Times said they had all of these records. Why don't you just put out a, a chart that explains exactly what he paid each year uh, instead of, you know, a paragraph with a number here and a number there, which seems designed to paint a very grim picture but doesn't give you the full context? And there is also just a lot of financial illiteracy in it as well, in that, you know, there's moments where they conflate revenue and income. There's times when they talk about tax avoidance when it's actually tax compliance. Um, the problem I have with this is I didn't really get that good of a picture in the end about what this actually says about Donald Trump's taxes. So it makes a lot of headlines, but I'm not sure we have the real story here. Yeah, so Kimberly Strassel with The Wall Street Journal, who said in the same interview that she, The Wall Street Journal, as an editorial section, told the president just to give us your tax returns. I think it would have made things easier. I think this is actually good. I think The New York Times over it played their hand. They didn't wait long enough. Because we're going to forget this in a few short weeks. And keep in mind, well, I don't know many people uh, who do business at that level. They can say, I have investments in Mexico, the UAE. I, can ha- I have investments in Turkey and Ireland and Scotland and Florida. So good luck with that. Uh, have at it. The President of the United States sacrificed a lot to do this. He's got a, his son's in charge. The Vice President, Eric Trump, was on with us today. And uh, we talked to him even in the break. He is not worried about it. I'm going to come back and talk to Maria Bartiromo about the whole thing financially. Also talk about the president's economic record, because right now in almost every poll, even the ones that are very leaning left, the American people trust him with the economy more. The answer is still. Do you still believe that? Don't move. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show on a very important day. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Who does he owe the money to? Tell us, who do you owe the money to? And um, do you owe debt to any foreign nation? Do you owe, you know, do you owe debt? Do you owe money? Let's just be clear about what debt means. You owe somebody money. 
Do you owe anybody money who is impacted by any decision you make as president of the United States? Uh, that's Kamala Harris, one of her rare interviews since she got the job as uh, the president, the vice president's running mate. Uh, we will uh, talk to, about her in a second, but she's referring to the president's taxes, which after an extensive investigation, somehow they've gotten 20 years of tax records. And we're getting them little by little with some summaries, but not the actual records. With me now is Maria Bartiromo. Uh, of course, we'll be watching the debate at nine, as you will, Maria. But first things first, what is your takeaway as host of Mornings with Maria and a long-term one of the most respected people in business news. What is your take of the ta- what's the takeaway on what you've learned so far? Well, you know, I think the takeaway is here we have another bombshell dropped a day before the debate from the New York Times. It's very hard to take any of this seriously because of the way they do it, trying to trip him up right before the debate. Look, I don't know. I have not seen Donald Trump's tax returns. I have no idea. But I know this. If there were anything illegal, if there were anything untoward, we would have known years ago because you have a massive deep state organization within the White House, within the Congress, within the government, and they are trying to take him down from day one. It wasn't enough that we had a three-year hallucination over collusion with Russia, which, of course, was one big fat lie. It wasn't enough that you had an impeachment trial based on no crime. Literally, the articles of impeachment are not crimes. It wasn't enough that you had constant attacks from inside and outside, but now dropping more stuff right before the debate. What I'd like to see is a little honesty, a little honesty about what has taken place here. This president has been able to have serious successes. We are seeing Middle East peace for the first time in decades. We are seeing the UAE and Bahrain have normalized relations with Israel. You're probably going to hear Oman is next. Then you're going to hear others. Saudi Arabia is going to be there at some point. You are also seeing massive changes to an economy that was stagnating because of his deregulation and tax cuts. Before COVID-19 showed up, we were talking about the lowest unemployment report recorded ever for many groups. And by the way, if you're going to attack the president on COVID, where is your outrage of the Chinese Communist Party? I have not heard one peep from the president's critics about the Chinese Communist Party and the massive plague that they unleashed on the world. It is the Chinese Communist Party's blood on hands that we have one million people dead of COVID-19 across the world. Don't even let me get into the coup that failed. I just finished recording my new audio book, The Cost, Trump, China, and American Revival, which is out in stores next month. I just did the audio recording. That's why I was so thrilled to come on your radio show, Brian, because I really enjoyed recording the audio of The Cost. And in it, I go through bit by bit the successes that this president has had in plain sight as he faced massive, massive resistance where the Democrats used the intelligence agencies of our great country as political weapons against him. I want to talk about the news that you broke about John Durham report not being ready before the election and also the the changes with Comey coming to uh, the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee on Wednesday and McCabe on October 6th. But just before we leave this, I believe the president's got a win tonight to really contain the momentum. I think a good performance, and if Biden's good, that'll be troublesome for the Trump camp. Am I wrong in, in Maria Bartiromo's mind? 
what I'm hearing from people, everyday folk where I live, as well as business people, this could be a landslide, okay? I have not said that on the air yet. I just said it on your show. This could be a landslide. This is not going to be razor thin. And let me tell you, unless this vote is razor thin, we will likely know who the winner is within 24 hours. Forget about all this nonsense that we're going to be wondering who our president is on Thanksgiving. Not happening. Fascinating. Uh, Maria, because I know you've talked to people all walks of life, especially Wall Street people, people in New York City traditionally, uh, not the biggest Republican fan. So let's talk about the Russia investigation. Uh, I read Peter Strzok's book. I also follow your Sunday show, really is a trailblazer on this. William Barnett and the statements he has made, the fact that he has spoken to this FBI agent, the fact that he has spoken to Durham already, his revelations really talk about this get Trump attitude amongst his colleagues in the FBI. We have not seen this perspective yet. That's absolutely right. All they wanted to do was take Trump down. And I have talked about this now for three years. And let me tell you something else, Brian. While I was out among the first out there saying there's absolutely no collusion, this is BS, I was getting I was getting sandbagged in the press and I was getting attacked on social media. Okay? And I was the one seeking out truth. Look at these text messages from William Barnett and this witness testimony here. They're saying, oh, God, if we get a FOIA question, uh, Freedom of Information Act, there are going to be a lot of questions. Oh, and then a new AG is going to come in, and then they're going to be asking us questions, and we're all going to get screwed. Oh, we better buy liability insurance protection. I mean, it's outrageous. It's all in the witness testimony and the text and how they absolutely knew they had no evidence of any collusion. And what's even more striking is that they had an interview. The FBI agents interviewed the so-called subsource, this guy, Igor Danchenko. Igor Danchenko is the one who gave Christopher Steele all the contents for the dossier, and they interviewed him. What did they get out of that interview on January 24th, 25th, and 26th, 2017, 40 hours of interview? Igor Danchenko says, oh, we were having beers with friends in a bar. We made it up. No, it was just embellished. No, it really didn't happen. No, but we, you know, we made it up. It, we, we were just saying it in jest. All of this they knew on January 24, 25, 26, 2017. What did they do three months later? They used that dossier to get a renewal for the wiretap against Carter Page. What did they do three months later? They renewed it again using the dossier. So Jim Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok at some point are going to have to face the music, and they're going to have to explain why, after they knew that the dossier was made up and it was garbage, did they keep using it to wiretap the Trump campaign? That's coming up. And let me tell you something else. I know that we're going to get more declassified documents probably this week. It's going to be mind-blowing. We're going to continue to see inside the FBI and what they did in 2016 and 2017 to take Trump down and push Hillary Clinton up. Let's not forget what happened with the Hillary Clinton email scandal, okay? She was using an unsecured server. Ron Johnson, Senator Johnson, told me he saw the emails back and forth with Barack Obama. Two POTUS from Hillary Clinton home server. This is what the emails that Ron Johnson saw. And what did they say? All these emails back and forth. Then there were 33,000 emails destroyed. They found emails on Anthony Weiner, the sex maniac's laptop. Okay, all of this stuff 
was thrown under the rug. Oh, and let's not forget the meeting that Bill Clinton, her husband, had three days before right. she was supposed to speak to the FBI and have her interview. He's over there, Bill Clinton's meeting with Loretta Lynch, a sitting secretary, a sitting AG on the tarmac in Phoenix, and they have the nerve to, 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 to think we're all so dumb to say, yeah, we met on a tarmac so that we could talk about grandkids. Gotcha. Really? Wow. Uh, Maria, wow. I can't wait for this book. We'll, we'll have you in studio or as close as we can get to you. And we, of course, watch you in the mornings, Mornings with Maria, and your Sunday show, which is fantastic, Sunday Morning Futures. Maria, thanks so much. Thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I don't think it's an issue that, that, that frankly impacts a whole lot of Americans. As I talk to people in Texas... The number one issue everyone is worried about is jobs. They want to reopen small businesses. They want to go back to work. I, I talk to moms and parents who are worried about education, who are worried about the future, who want to see our economy come back, who want us to stay safe, who want to uh, rebuild our military. And, and so, you know, a, a stolen or secretly leaked copy of the president's tax returns, I, I get the New York Times wants to drive this as an attack on Donald Trump. But I don't see a lot of people in Texas who, who this is front and center for them. Well, that is Ted Cruz talking about the controversy with the release of documents to The New York Times, which then they replayed and summarized to put out that the president uh, paid taxes here, didn't pay taxes there. Uh, does show he's under audit as they try to look into $72 million refund. Uh, all these numbers are through the roof. But I've never tried to buy a condo in the Philippines. I've never tried to build a hotel in the United Arab Emirates. I never tried to finance a golf course in Scotland. I wish some of these anchors would admit they're not tax attorneys before they go off and just say a teacher pays more in taxes than the president. The problem is you pay different taxes at different points and you invest judging by the tax losses you can take. If you buy a property and you could take three and you know if I buy it and it's going to take me three years to revive it, at least I could take the loss while I stand it up again. Along the way, I'm employing people and hopefully have a successful business. That's the way the economy works. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, senior fellow at the Media Research Center, joins us now. Colonel, welcome. It's good to be with you, Brian. I couldn't agree with you even anymore. You know, the and uh, of course with Senator Ted Cruz, the folks down here in Texas are not concerned about the president's tax returns. Number one, the folks in Texas are concerned about the moves to uh, you know defund police, like we've seen in Austin, Texas, with the very leftist uh, city council and mayor there. And so now Austin has become one of the uh, highest crime. Uh, violent crime cities in the country, and 90% of live music establishments in Austin, Texas are gone. They're not coming back, and Austin used to be known as the live music capital of the world. People in Texas are concerned about the oil and gas industry. When you have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris that have signed on to the Green New Deal, what does that do for the energy independence and the uh, ability to produce, consume, and export our energy resources? They're concerned about their safety on the streets. They're concerned about education. Uh, so they're not concerned about the president's tax returns, and I never heard anyone from the left complaining about Al Sharpton being in the uh, White House, I don't know, 70-some-odd times with his uh, history of, uh, of failed tax uh, adherence. 
So uh, in Texas in particular, I understand that you guys have expanded the days of voting and some mayors are upset that you haven't that the governor has not supported more mail in voting. I, for one, am not. Can you bring us inside Texas voting, the Texas voting policies? Well, one of the interesting things is that Texas election law has us at two weeks of early voting. Uh, the governor, by executive action and not bringing the legislature back into session, decided to extend that voting by one week. And that came after the uh, the person that's a, a Democrat county clerk in Harris County, the largest county in Texas, uh, wanted to extend early voting for a week. Uh, that's something that you should have brought the legislature in that has some people upset. And as far as this thing with mail-in ballots, Texas election law is very clear. As a matter of fact, the Texas State Supreme Court uh, made a ruling against the Harris County clerk who wanted to just mail out uh, ballot applications based upon the registered voters list, and they said he could not do that because that's in violation of Texas election law. And then also the Texas Democrat Party tried to bring up a case that got to the 5th U.S. Supreme Court saying that the fact that in Texas we uh, only do the mail uh, ballot applications to people 65 years or above. They tried to say that was age discriminatory. That was uh, knocked down. So we have a good system here in Texas as far as absentee ballot and those type of applications. If you're in the military, you're not going to be in your county at the time of election. You can submit an application for that mail-in ballot if you're over the age of 65. Very clear in Texas election law. What the Democrats are trying to do is undermine Texas election law. We're not going to allow that to happen. And here's what I fear. Uh, and by the way, I wish Joe Biden would get together with the president on this. This whole ballot harvesting, the phony mm-hmm. ballots where you grab five of, you know, you grab ballots that don't belong to you. You sign them and you put them in the mail or you make a mistake and they don't count. Uh, we just want every vote to count. And the better chance to do that dramatically is to show up in person. If you can, ask for the ballot. We know you got your address, right? Ask for the ballot. You'll know how to do it more than likely. It's not your first time. That makes sense. But blanketing places do not work. It makes me uneasy. And I don't know if you notice, it makes the president uneasy. And then this Project Veritas, oftentimes involved in controversy, goes undercover. And they uncover, it seems, in Minneapolis, a ballot harvesting scheme. You know the president thinks he can win Minnesota. You know every vote counts. Well, this guy, who uh, this living Muhammad, he is working for Elon Omar. And he is collecting ballots. Quote, money is everything. Money is the king of this world. If you got no money, you should not be here, period. You know what I'm saying? Money is everything. Uh, Numbers do not lie. Do not lie. You can see my car is full. All these are absentee ballots. Can't you see? Look at all these. My car is full. The other paid voter, when we sign the voting document and they fill it out, when they give us the money, the minute we sign the thing, the ballot for the election, that's when we get paid. Ballot Harvesting Triangle, uh, 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 this is a River Plaza Department, uh, Apartments, Horn Tower Senior Community, 980 uh, ballots, all subject to fraud. So this is so pervasive and so upsetting. The Minneapolis police are investigating this now, and this would be a federal yeah. offense. Yeah, it will be a federal offense, and this is something that we— 
you know, goes back to 2018 with the ballot harvesting scheme out in California, where, you know, two weeks after election, you had the uh, ballot still coming in and Republicans that had won on election day ended up losing. And we know about what happened in Pennsylvania with those military absentee ballots that were found in the trash. And right now you have uh, four states, uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and North Carolina, where judges have made the decision that these ballots can still come in up to four days, seven days, even two weeks after uh, November the 3rd. So you're just you know, setting this thing up for a, a recipe of voter fraud. And there is a, an incident now that's being reported coming out of Houston, Harris County, about an illegal uh, ballot harvesting wow. scheme. And it involves the Texas, uh, Joe Biden's Texas political director, a gentleman by the name of Dallas Jones. So you might want to uh, pay attention to that. That just hit yesterday. Yeah, you got to run that to the ground. So James O'Keefe, who uncovered this voter fraud, talked about Congresswoman Elon Omar. And here's a statement uh, uh, from some of that undercover undercover camera uh, video and audio from a Minneapolis Somali community insider. Quote, it's an open secret. She, meaning Elon Omar, will do anything she can to get elected. And she has hundreds of people on the streets doing that. Oh, my goodness. Here's James O'Keefe, cut 11. And this is incontrovertible evidence, the first time we've ever actually seen the deed being done on tape. The media says there's no evidence. Even the director of the FBI last week said there's no evidence of voter fraud. Well, there you have it. It's a state crime. You can't even have more than three ballots in your possession in Minnesota. And it's a federal crime because this guy was going around residential buildings in Minneapolis, pressuring people for these ballots, taking them away from the elderly. Sean, this is the story that may change things. It's all on tape. They can no longer deny it. And the Minneapolis police are investigating it, which I'm encouraged by. The president saw this and wrote rigged election. Matt Gates tweeted the Department of Justice needs to investigate this immediately. No, you're absolutely right, because uh, we don't want to have a November surprise. And nope. so, you know, we have had this out there. We have known about ballot harvesting. You know, Eric Holder, back on the 14th of April, uh, in a Time magazine op-ed, wrote uh, an article, and it was entitled, How Coronavirus Will Change, Should Change Elections in the United States Permanently. And he talked about this mail-in ballot uh, scheme. So this is something that has been in the books. It is something that has been planned very well, and I think that we're starting to peel the onion back on it. But now we need to have law enforcement and our uh, you know, attorney generals all across the United States of America looking into this and making sure it doesn't happen. This is really voter suppression when you think about it, uh, Brian. Uh, this scheme, that, that means that your vote, my vote, all these legal American voters, it won't count. Uh, it's just it. I, I think Joe Biden should combine with bro, to Donald Trump and just say, listen, we got to get this right. If this should not be Republican or Democrat. And I'm telling you, if they're doing it for Trump, I'd be just as outraged if they're doing it for anybody. Absolutely. We're just screwing Absolutely. with our whole system. Absolutely. And, and and that's why, you know, here in Texas, you know, we uh, we signed on to a petition with, against Governor Abbott saying that, you know, Governor, you can't go in and unilaterally, you know, make an executive decision to change Texas election law because either you stand for the rule of law or you don't. And I think it's important for all of us to come together and stand for voter integrity, right. voting integrity and, and our system, our democratic system. What do you, did you not like about what Abbott did? 
we cannot have rule by executive order, mandates, edicts, and decrees. You cannot, as, a, as an executive, go in and unilaterally change law. That's, we live in a constitutional republic, not a constitutional monarchy. And so you have in the Texas uh, Constitution that the governor should have brought the legislature back in. The legislature can debate. They can vote upon this. They're the duly elected representatives of the people because you can't have executives changing law uh, you know, wantonly. And that's the, the big argument against what Governor Abbott did in extending uh, early voting from two weeks to three weeks here in Texas. Gotcha. Uh, and Colonel, what do you expect tonight? I expect uh, I expect uh, President Trump to be, you know, on the uh, on the offense. He has a great record, and I think that if you pressure uh, Mr. Biden, he's not going to be able to have some staffers whisk him away or what have you. Uh, you may see him uh, not be able to stand up to that uh, that type of pressure, especially if uh, Chris Wallace uh, is very objective and is and uh, asking questions about the issues that are out there. I'll tell you, I rewatched. The debate with Wallace, I thought he was very fair last time. I thought he did a great job, and mm-hmm. I'm hopefully that that's going to be it's going to be harder. They're going to be yelling at each other, and it's going to look like WWE for a while. And that, to me, my prediction, they're going to they're going to end up turning around and just saying the Biden people, especially if he gets hammered, it's not worth it. Donald Trump doesn't play by the rules. We're not doing it anymore. So this could be the one and well, only debate. Well, this is why I would uh, recommend to the president uh, a leadership maxim: cool heads always prevail. If you know that you're on the side of right and your policies are strong and your administration has been strong, just talk to the issues and just stay calm, stay cool. All right. Uh, You are always cool. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. Thanks so much, Colonel. Always a pleasure, Brian. Take care. All right. Should be fun tonight. one 408 7669 from North Carolina, Virginia to West Virginia. I'll be getting to your calls next. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. International security issue. You could potentially have a sitting president who owes hundreds of millions of dollars. The American people are going to want to know who he owes that money to. And can he make it clear he could put country over business interests? That his businesses are losing money and that he personally owes $421 million on loans made to his companies. Well, today, the Speaker of the House suggested those debts could be a threat to national security. And the speaker's always fair and balanced when she's evaluating the president. So it's got to be true. Rich, uh, Missy, listening online in West Virginia. Hey, Missy, let's talk president's taxes. What do you think the role is going to be tonight? What do you think about him now? Um, I love Trump. Um, I don't agree with every single thing that he does. But here's the thing. People want to make, again, judgments about stuff that we have no business judging. We don't know anything about his taxes. Everybody wants to judge everything that we don't know any specifics of. Everybody jumped to conclusions about the Russia thing. Everybody jumped to conclusions about this. We are not supposed to judge stuff until all the facts come out, and there's a reason for that, because when we do that, we're wrong. 
Right. And we've been wrong so much. And here's the thing, Missy, too. Just from the outsider perspective, a guy that doesn't buy golf courses, golf goes up, golf goes down. Buildings become more valuable in New York City right now. If you uh, own a building in New York City or major cities, you're suffering right now. The place is half empty. Most urban environments are half empty. Who predicted the pandemic? Same thing with countries. What country is going to be seeing unrest? You invest in Turkey, the UAE, Mexico. You know, there's a little bit of a risk there. Sometimes it's a huge payoff. That's why you do it. So that's not my thing. Most people listen thing now it's not their thing but one of the reasons you buy a major property sometimes is because you know i need a loss it's gonna take me three years to rebuild this place i'll take the loss for three years take that money build it up and then the profits start rolling in then the tax base has happened the irs takes a look they assess the depreciation and they go forward that's pretty much the way the calculus is done the irs does not go easy on the famous or the rich There's some high-profile people that go to jail for taxes, and he, for 30, 40 years, has done this and has not had tax problems. Exactly. Richard, listening in Montreal. Uh, Richard. Hi, Brian. Uh, I hope President Trump is going to bring up these newly released FBI text messages concerning General Flynn and ask uh, Biden how come he hasn't condemned these these FBI agents. I hope so. Ukraine for sure. And the reason why Ukraine for sure is he's got to justify what Hunter Biden was doing, the, the, the jobs he got and what he was doing and the, the, the hooks he has into this Moscow mayor's wife and prostitutes while trading on the Biden name. He could say, well, I don't know if I have anything to do with that. Then why was he on Air Force Two going to China? And that's going to, at the very least, make Biden answer. He could go, my son died of brain cancer and it's, it's a tragedy all around. I get it. My wife got hit by a car, killed my wife and daughter. That's as bad as I can imagine it. I understand it. But that doesn't have anything to do with Hunter and his actions when you become vice president. Yeah, exactly. But this is this is something a lot of the American people don't know about these FBI text messages. So I hope the president is going to give some even quote some of those FBI text messages that were just released. John, listening on WTKF in North Carolina. John. Hi, Brian. Look, uh, they talk about taxes. What about Ross Perot? Nobody's mentioned about him. He only paid 0.7% of his income taxes the year he ran against uh, W41. Yep. Uh, I don't know that offhand, but I know that that was a debate issue, number one. Number two, we always hear about this. Amazon doesn't pay enough in taxes. But what they do is they create commerce in cities and it ends up being a profitable uh, a profitable engine for that municipality and for the federal government overall. But they incentivize them to grow. They hire people. They buy buildings. They hire delivery services. And that foments the market economy. And it's not that the rich are getting a special deal. It's that they're taking enormous risk. And along the way, they're hiring experts, training the next generation of businessmen and women. That's kind of the way the market economy works. It doesn't – Bill makes X amount. I pay him. Uh, he pays this much in taxes. Stan makes X amount. You pay this much in taxes. But when it gets to this high-level business, there's all these type of breaks and incentives so people do the investments that allow people and cities to grow and flourish. That's what we've seen. Now it's a downturn. A lot of those assets aren't as profitable, at which time with interest rates low, some businessmen and women go back in and say this is a good time to renegotiate. So that's how it's done. It's very similar to... 
Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how this is brought up today because the president's got 48 hours to come up with some explanations on it. And I'm sure there's inaccuracies in the report, too. Hey, listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com. You can always listen on the stream. And briankilmeade.com, where you can order Sam Houston, The Alamo Avengers, now out on paperback. Signed and delivered. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for listening, everyone from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the show that everyone's going to for this election, and we are truly honored for that. We know in a matter of hours we're going to have our first presidential debate as impactful as any ever and as off the hook and unpredictable as any I can imagine. This isn't Dick Cheney against Joe Lieberman. This isn't Bush against Gore, where you know exactly what these men would do as governor and senator and then vice president. You have a businessman under fire after four years, some which some things not in his control, some things in his control, some things that were subversive, some things that we made mistakes on. A vice president who's got to defend eight years in the White House with President Obama, and then he's got to defend his years as a senator, and then he's got to tell us how it's all different now, but it's not really that different because he has to watch his left with socialist Bernie Sanders, who he cut a deal with the devil with clearly, and he's got to say I'm a moderate. While not turning off the left. And by the way, in case you think I'm making it up, I'm not. Because AOC has already come out and said, I really hope he doesn't put in, I'll just paraphrase, I really hope he doesn't say anything negative about us. We're out here on the ground every day with Bernie Sanders because he said, I beat the socialist, which is kind of a negative thing to say, I guess. Although he did beat the socialist because the Democratic Party let him beat the socialist. We're knocking on doors for him. So if he goes out and says, I'm a centrist, I'm not AOC, I'm not Elon Omar, I'm not Bernie Sanders, guess who's going to be upset? All those, those three, the squad, and more. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 100 million rapid point-of-care tests will be given to states and territories to support efforts to reopen their economies and schools immediately and fast as they can. Uh, That is uh, the President of the United States, uh, the coronavirus update. Cases are rising in 21 states, falling in 11 states. And New York threatens another lockdown to a degree, something which I do not believe will be tolerated. How do I know? I'm here. I talk to people. This is some experts brace for a second wave. And there's new hope for a rescue package in Pelosi and Mnuchin as they meet today. Number two. President Trump and his party and Judge Barrett will overturn the Affordable Care Act. And they won't stop there. Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett begins her rounds on Capitol Hill. First with Republicans. Why I don't agree with Ted Cruz that this will be more personally destructive than Kavanaugh. I just don't see it. Plus, I'll tell you the chances of an up and down vote before 11-3. Number one. I would smoke them out also on a lot of these far left issues about raising taxes. You said you'd raise taxes twice as much as Hillary Clinton. You said you want a public option. Barack Obama even didn't even go for a public option. How far left are you going to take America? That is uh, so true. And the guy who makes so much sense every time he speaks, 
Ari Fleischer. Debate night tonight at 9. Tune into Fox everywhere you can. It'll be a, a night Trump has to win if he wants four more years in the White House. Amid a New York Times report on his taxes and a stubborn pandemic, which Joe Biden plans to focus on. Why I believe Trump is better prepared and how I see it playing out. Here's how I see it playing out. Trump's going to come out firing. And every time that Biden brings up taxes and some specifics, you didn't pay taxes, you didn't do this. The president's going to come back and talk about payroll taxes, real estate investments up and down at a level that Biden hasn't understood. And we got a precursor today with Eric Trump. He said Joe Biden has lived off a government paycheck. The president's trying to create paychecks. And sometimes you have investments that win and sometimes you don't. And sometimes your wins are long term and sometimes they're short term because there are things like the macro economy and the world economy economy that you can't predict. And they're going to talk about that. And they're not saying that what's good in the New York Times right now is gospel. You know, millions of dollars that he didn't pay, deductions that he did have. Some of the people talking about this were Michael Cohen, who could not be more embittered and just came off uh, spending 36 months in jail and ended up being much shorter than that. Uh, I don't believe he's a felon, but I guess they found a million dollars that he couldn't declare, some of which had nothing to do with the president of the United States. So you have a lot of bitter people doing this. You have New York who wants to go after him. And you have a mayor of New York who says after reading some of these stories in The New York Times, he now says the city aren't getting city isn't getting uh, their taxes cut 13. I think we can guarantee, based on the information in the New York Times, that he hasn't paid his city taxes the way he should have. Look, this is going to give us a lot of information to work with, and our city finance department will get to work right away to determine if, in fact, the President of the United States cheated New York City on his taxes. But I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point, given everything we've seen from this guy. Well, we'll see. A foregone conclusion? Uh, Not really. If you just look at a guy that And Rudy Giuliani said it. I've done tax law before, and I can't even follow all this. A couple of things are true. Nothing in the New York Times shows illegal activity. The IRS has been having him under audit. It is about $72 million and a refund he got or didn't get. And there, there is $300 million worth of loans. But as the president said, and he's come out and said, he's got assets to suffice that, to fulfill that. And the question is, these are the same stories that keep being written by the New York Times. And does it bother you at all that in doing this, they've been working on this for months? Does it bother you at all that they're actually waiting for a debate to maximize impact on a story? Theoretically, I guess it's just a theory now, you work a story, you release a story. Sometimes you want to wait till Monday instead of a Friday because more people read uh, magazines, newspapers, and watch television on Monday over a Friday. That I understand. But an extensive 16,000-word story that prints out 35 pages, that within hours the Biden camp has got a running commercials on and running an ad on, on facts, and these are production value situations. They're shot on film, and they got full screens, everything that's in the story. Evelyn Wood could not have picked up these things. Reading comprehension, nobody who got a perfect mark on their SATs on the verbal section, of course, could have put together an ad that quick and digested that much, unless they're in coordination. And I ask you this rhetorically, does that bother you? For those undecided out there, When you see somebody pushing so hard to get rid of a guy, while at the same time the Washington Post says, worst president ever, I'm endorsing Biden-Harris. Here's Kimberly Strassel, Wall Street Journal, Cut 21. Part of it is context as somebody who looks at things like this. 
The Times said they had all of these records. Why don't you just put out a, a chart that explains exactly what he paid each year uh, instead of, you know, a paragraph with a number here and a number there, which seems designed to paint a very grim picture but doesn't give you the full context? And there is also just a lot of financial illiteracy in it as well, in that, you know, there's moments where they conflate revenue and income. There's times when they talk about tax avoidance when it's actually tax compliance. Um, the problem I have with this is I didn't really get that good of a picture in the end about what this actually says about Donald Trump's taxes. So it makes a lot of headlines, but I'm not sure we have the real story here. Here's what I want. I want the economy to stand up again. I want to make sure we'll watch our back against China and their expanding uh, territory through Brazil and our hemisphere, propping up Venezuela and trying to influence the European Union. And here's what I want. Get a hold of this virus in a way and we can start opening up our cities again. That's what I think people want. New York in particular, we, as a country, we're at 8% unemployment. A lot of those, no coincidence, are the reason why it's 8% is because these are, blue, these are red states that are taking a degree of a risk precaution and are opening up their cities because they don't want to see them flat on their back. Look at what Florida's doing. We got about 12 affiliates we're lucky enough to have in Florida. They're taking chances. We know it. But at the same time, they're taking precautions because they have to live their lives. People need to go to restaurants. They need to work in restaurants. They need to go to hotels. They need to be able to uh, bring in tourists. That's what Florida lives on. So the governor says, have at it. I educated you enough. Go back to school. In New York, it's just the opposite. They, in New York City, they prepared for nothing. Most of these kids start day one today. They should have been starting in September. We knew that for four months they had to change the air conditioning system, widen the halls, stagger the stagger the uh, stagger the, the number of students who come to school at what grades they're in, but they did nothing. They were unemployment at 16%. MTA travel is a third of what it was, if that. No one's going through the bridges and tolls. They're not raising the money. There's no push to get CEOs to bring their companies back in. They're not picking up the garbage. They're not backing up police. You get what you don't pay for, and now New York wants a bailout. Those, these are the issues that should be reflected in tonight's debate. But I have sense it's going to get very personal. Real quick, before we go to break, uh, we're watching uh, Amy uh, Kona Barrett come forward, and she is uh, now being presented by the Vice President Pence and me and walked around. Here's what uh, Ted Cruz said is going to be happening on Capitol Hill. Cut six. I fully expect the confirmation hearing to be a political circus. I, I expect... The Democratic base demands that they do everything they can. I think we'll see a, a Cory Booker Spartacus moment. Uh, and, and we're already seeing them target Judge Barrett's young kids, which is really despicable. Kids should be off limits. On the merits, she is a very strong choice. I'm confident the Senate is going to confirm her and do so by the end of the month. Senator Ted Cruz, I think there is reason to be worried because it's just bad for the country. But I actually think that the Democrats uh, know that the boomerang effect, the blowback will be so intense that they wouldn't go at her personally or with her religion. I think they're going to go at it uh, and they're going to attack the president through her, but they can't attack her character or her intellect. Let's see what happens. one 408 7669 Steve Scalise is next. We'll do a simulcast on Varney and Company. Steve Ducey at the bottom of the hour with his brand new book. Man, there's a lot to go over. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. The question is, what does Putin have on the president politically, personally, financially, in every way that the president would try to undermine our commitment to NATO, give away the store to uh, Russia and Syria? Well, what's the connection? We'll see. Uh, There's nothing here that connects Russia to the whole thing. She's a broken record. There's also no legal activity uh, written there uh, in the New York Times two-day story on the president's tax returns, which doesn't leave out a word but doesn't have any official documents in it. And uh, number three is it also shows the president is under audit. But it's not helpful the day before the event uh, debates, and that's the intention of the New York Times. Steve Scalise joins us now. Uh, he is uh, he is the minority whip for the Republicans in the House. Congressman, welcome back. Brian, great to be back with you. Congressman, you want to start finding out who leaked these documents. You think there's a story there? Well, somebody clearly broke the law to leak it. This is something the Democrats have been... Look, this has been the party of hoaxes, Russia, collusion, impeachment, tax returns since 2016. Why, Brian? Because they have no agenda. They don't want people to be looking at their agenda, which is to move towards socialism. Joe Biden's trying to hide what he's standing for. That's why they hide him in a basement. They're not going to be able to hide tonight, though. Everybody's going to be watching. You're going to see on display two different approaches to government, freedom, what President Trump's done to get an economy back, uh, versus Biden, who's been trying to hide what he stands for. So they just throw everything at the wall, accuse the president of things every day. People are sick and tired of that kind of personal politics. They literally have whistleblowers that leak classified information illegally. Turns out most of the stuff they leak is ends up being false. But the headlines are always the thing that are out there driving the story, regardless of the truth. And here you have clearly somebody must have broken a law. But they don't care about that. Uh, it's all about power for them, and they, they will do whatever it takes to get power. But it's not going to work because the hardworking people of this country don't want to move towards socialism. They don't want a lawless society with rioting and looting. Uh, that's what's at stake in this election. Here is more uh, from Nancy Pelosi, Cut 16. I'm an intelligence person, as you know, and uh, I do know uh, that if there is a, a review of somebody, if they're going to be federally appointed to a job or whatever, under, if they have outstanding debt, that is an important factor because that means somebody else has leverage over them. This president appears to have over $400 million in debt, 420 whatever it is, million dollars in debt. To whom? Different countries, what is the leverage they have? So So that's her speculation. Is that what you read when you got through this, his taxes? Well, she can go and, and Nancy Pelosi knows this good. Well, she can go read the financial disclosure forms. Every member of Congress files them, candidates for, for Congress file them, and candidates file income disclosure forms. President Trump's forms are out there. It shows all of those things. They don't care about that, Brian. What they're trying to do is throw out smoke and more smoke and hope that somebody sees a fire because they don't want people looking at Joe Biden's ties to Russia, for example. Why didn't the Obama-Biden administration help our friends, the Ukrainians, when they wanted to get those tank-busting missiles when Russia was coming in to Eastern Europe? Why? Because you saw the connections between the Biden, the mayor of Moscow gave money to Joe Biden's son. 
Trump is the one, by the way, who stood up to Russia when he came in. He sold those tank busted missiles to help Ukraine, our friends, stand up to Russia. Same thing with China. Who stood up to China? Not Joe Biden. Why? Because he literally flew his son with him on Air Force Two to China to get a billion and a half dollar deal. Uh, that that where where was that uh, concern by Nancy Pelosi about what was involved and who he's owing allegiance to? During that whole time, by the way, the Obama-Biden time, you saw China stealing our jobs, our, our blue-collar jobs, our middle class was evaporating during the Biden years. President Trump is standing up to right. China today, getting better trade deals, bringing jobs back to America, making more things in America. Uh, those are all the things that are going to be, again, that'll be talked about tonight. He can throw out accusations all day long, but the facts are what matter. And ultimately, the results are what people care about. So, so let's most. talk about What's results. For the country and well, let's talk about the rescue package. Um, Mnuchin and Pelosi have been meeting over the last few days. The House Democrats are now proposing a scaled-down $2.2 trillion corona aid package uh, to revive the talks. Uh, you guys, uh, the Senate anyway, was at $1.2 billion. Um, they're talking about the $600 a week, uh, which is a supplemental jobless benefit claim. You guys are at 300 a week. What's going on here? Do people listening right now have a reason to be hopeful? Well, I think people, when they see the Pelosi bill, ought to be very concerned. Only in Washington is $2.2 trillion considered a scaled-down package uh, by Nancy Pelosi. But go look at what Nancy Pelosi filed in Dark of Night last night. Uh, In her bill that she filed last night, direct checks go to people here illegally. They want taxpayer money going to people illegally. It's in their bill. Uh, They have the mandate... Uh, to release certain federal prisoners in their bill. The bill they filed last night, again, it allows taxpayer money to go to groups who perform abortion, like Planned Parenthood. That's a relief package for coronavirus? Give me a break. Families need help. Small businesses need help. There's a really good bill out there by Congressman Shabbat from Ohio that $38 billion that's still sitting in the Paycheck Protection Program account. $138 billion that's already been passed by Congress, and it allows small businesses who are struggling to go for a second round of PPP loans. That was a lifeline to millions of small businesses, saved over $50 million. Right. Some of those small businesses struggling. Let's let them get help. Oh, that would certainly help. And by the way, you're talking about a Democratic congressman. Do you think the Democrats, the, the, their unrest is forcing Pelosi to the table? Absolutely. Last week, you had a number of Democrats that we're ready to sign on to our bill, the Republican bill, which is really a bipartisan effort to say, don't go spend trillions more dollars, add more debt uh, to our kids and our grandkids when you've got hundreds of billions of dollars still out there, out there unspent, including this $138 billion sitting idle paycheck protection program town that can't be spent. Free that money up to help those small businesses that are still struggling. That a lot of people were resonating around it. People around the country were excited about it. You had a lot of business groups, restaurant groups, and a lot of Democrats were going to sign on. So what did gotcha. do? on Thursday? We were supposed to be in Friday. She adjourned the House Thursday night so that her members couldn't be around Friday to sign yeah. a discharge petition, forcing a yeah. four vote the, on that bill. Mighty Nancy Pelosi's got uh, the, the earth was, uh, was shifting under her feet. All right. Steve Scalise will be watching tonight. We'll see how the president does. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. 
so far the Trump campaign has been left hanging on a request to have a third party come in and inspect the ears of each candidate for an electronic device or some sort of a transmitter. That is something that the president has apparently consented Two, it is something that the Biden team has not yet. We're also learning that within the last few weeks, the Biden campaign pushed for and was denied two breaks during the program, one every 30 minutes. We also know, of course, the Trump campaign has been asking and been denied a performance-enhancing drug test, as the Biden campaign now says they will not provide a sample. So that was uh, Peter Ducey reporting some inside information, which is going to be outside. It's outside now about the debate tonight, which begins at 9 o'clock Eastern time, that said the Trump camp is asking for an inspection of the candidates' ears to see if they're getting the answers. Uh, that's interesting. Wasn't expecting that. Uh, Steve Ducey joins us now in studio. He's excited because he's in studio. And he's also excited because his brand-new book is out, uh, along with Kathy Ducey, co-authored of had the it's called The Happy in a Hurry Cookbook, uh, Stephen Kathy Ducey. No E in her name if you're looking to spell it out. Uh, and it's a great cover. It's out today. It's selling great. And Steve, first, before we talk about your family cookbook, can we talk about your family reporting? Yes. Peter Ducey's report on what, what was what was the issue? Well, apparently, uh, the, there are still negotiations going on behind the scenes in Cleveland. Up till you know what? What are we? We're ten hours away, and they're still trying to figure things out. Uh, apparently, Biden wanted three different breaks during the ninety minutes. So every thirty minutes, he could leave the stage for some reason. Asked to see his family, like he did with Anderson Cooper. That's all. Hey, I just want to say hi. Um, but the, Bi- uh, the Biden asked for, uh, team asked for that, but the Trump team said absolutely not. So the Trump team then asked for a third party. So like somebody, a, a doctor, a medical doctor, uh, should be able to inspect both of the candidates' ears to make sure that somebody is not wearing a listening device. Because the insinuation is that uh, if Joe Biden does well, he's listening to somebody mm-hmm. giving him all the good answers because Joe can't, uh, you know, can't string two sentences together without mumbling. You know, it's interesting. I said as I mumbled. The, the one thing that that no one accuses Donald Trump of is someone giving him the answers. <laughs> I mean, if, if, there's something, if there's something no one's going to check at Donald Trump, no one's actually giving the answers in his ear. Right. You no. know, here's I, I was just thinking about this coming uh, up to your studio. If the there's two things going here. One is the, that perhaps the Trump campaign just wanted to put that out there uh, in the in the into the dialogue about, well, now we got to worry about Joe getting the answers from uh, somebody else in addition to him getting a shot of B12 or something like that. That's why the president wants right. a uh, a blood test or rather a urine test or some, a drug test, whatever it is. If they really think that Joe Biden has got a listening device, they should figure out the frequency and they could either jam it or more diabolically, they could tap into it and talk directly to Joe Biden. Hey, Joe, say, great point, Mr. President. <laughs> Almost like uh, uh, Anchorman. Right, exactly. Uh, fantastic. You have something on your tooth. <laughs> right. Or just put classic rock, uh, which we might relax. Him. He might. We Listen, when I close my eyes, that's what I hear. So, so, Steve, tonight I really expect it to degrade 
I do, because, you know, President Trump is fired up for this. Right. Biden has a lot of anger towards the president. That's been mm-hmm. clear. He shows it every single time he's interviewed. Look, and this guy lies. This guy is the worst president we have. This guy makes America. So he says that Trump's going to come back, not only say, Joe, you're not telling the truth or you're a bad person. He's going to come out with specifics. Right. And, you know, Joe Biden is also, you know, the family's coming up. And when the family comes up, Joe Biden always gets angry. What did we see a week ago? Mm-hmm. We saw him in the middle of a, a military event. One of these military people walked up to him and said, you know, the Iraq war, how could you vote for that? And he turned around and goes, hey, that's a war. My son fought in that war. My right. son died of brain cancer. And he started hitting back, yeah. hitting the guy back. He also challenged to a push-up contest. Well, you know, as we said today, uh, the insight from both camps is that Joe's got a temper. And so Trump's going to try to provoke him. But I think when we saw the Kamala Harris soundbites out of, I think she was in North Carolina yesterday, um, she kept giggling and laughing. I think that's going to be their approach. When when Trump says something substantial or crazy or something they don't want to uh, answer per se, they're going to laugh it off. Mm-hmm. Just like Joe Biden did it last time. I think that, that diffuses the... Uh, Joe Biden's a hothead. And look, he's going, oh, <laughs> Donald, where do you come up with that stuff? I I think that's going to be their tact. It could be. I don't see it being effective, though. Uh, let's talk about the, the Happy in a Hurry cookbook. And here's what I think is so important about this book. It's for people on the run. Before the pandemic, we were really right. on the run. We got to settle down a little bit. But this is a good sequel follow-up because you want to have good meals but we're right. always going 20 different directions. Well, and that's what we heard on our book tour two two years ago. It was like, well, we'd like to make food, but we just don't have any time. So Kathy said, why don't we do Happy in a Hurry? And so that's where it came from. Uh, because you're right, Brian. Even during the pandemic, we we don't seem to have enough time to do stuff. So we boiled it down to the basics, uh, simple ingredients done as quickly as possible. Uh, we give some Happy in a Hurry hacks on how to save time around the kitchen. And uh, so far, so good. So – who, who's in this book? Who's featured in the book? Well, uh, your aunt, actually. My had, aunt Kathy, my mother's youngest sister. Did a great uh, service by sharing the Kilmeade family heirloom artichoke pie, which we have at we do have at every event uh, at the Ducey House, Thanksgiving and Easter and Christmas now, because it is that good, and we love artichokes. Uh, Ainsley's grandma Mimi did a uh, cornbread dressing. Sean Hannity does fantastic, uh, and you would like this, <laughs> I think, uh, mac and cheese rolls. It's like mac and cheese inside an egg roll. And I know you're thinking, oh, it's just fried, but it's like, yeah, it's fried right. and it's delicious. Uh, Marcus Luttrell has his mother's prime rib, which is delicious. Uh, Judge Janine's got her mom's soup. Dana Perino's got her grandpa Leo's salad dressing, and the list goes on and on. Well, and it goes on and on, but also I thought the key was Brett Bear. He yeah. put, you put something on the show today that I would eat right now. You know what? You love, because it's a Kilmeade family thing, you love artichokes and you love chicken. And his wife, Amy, Amy her mother, Barbie Hill, growing up in the Chicago area, would make this for the family. And when Brett started dating her 
and they would go out uh, to Chicago to see the family. The mom would make it, and so it's a happy time from – it's a happy memory from when they were first dating, and it reminds them of family, and that's why he uh, consented to give us the recipe. And it's great. It is uh, one of the healthiest things in the cookbook. So you the, would love it. It's called uh, The Happy in a Hurry Cookbook. And on social media, you're on Instagram, right? I, I mean, am. People, we, we, you can see the pictures and some pictures on there. Absolutely. And how to go through it. Yep. And uh, go to Instagram. Uh, I'm on Twitter a little bit, uh, Facebook a lot. And uh, there are links where to buy the books. All right. Excellent. So here's the other thing to keep in mind, too. A lot of the political figures that we cover, mm-hmm. you get to see the other side of them. There's right. the stories that go along with them. Did you find that people enjoyed getting away from what they do for a living and talk about something else? Think about it. We do this, this talking business under bright lights all day. What do you look forward to at the end of the day? I have two things. One, I look forward to having a nice meal. Right. And if Kathy's had a rough day, I'm going to make the meal for her. And the other thing I look forward to is a, a glass of bourbon. I'm just saying. Uh, that could be my next uh, book. Just See, uh, I am happy because I'm, I'm liquored up. I'm a little bit behind I'm kidding. you. you uh, uh, I don't think you ever – you're never into beer, right? Not a, you're not, you're not college. a big beer guy? I, I liked okay. it in college. Right. It shows a lack of mo- emotional growth on my part. But you want wine. I remember <laughs> right. you used to drink wine all the time. Absolutely. Right. Well, that, it, I shouldn't say all the time. That's that's wrong. I would wait until 930 in the morning. Right. right. So you'd have wine. And all of a sudden, you're drinking like a real man now. <laughs> I mean, do you feel like a man? You Because know, I, I cannot do drink bourbon. Because te- I get drunk. I, I'm going to tell you the story. At the Beginning of the pandemic, you know, my daughter and my wife were stuck in Florida for a while. And so I was actually living in our house in New Jersey with my daughter's future husband, Allie. And so, you know, I didn't know him very well. And we, you know, at night it'd be like, you want some wine? It's like, not really. Uh, That went on for about a month. And I said, do you ever drink anything? And he goes, I I like bourbon. I said, okay, I'm going to buy bourbon. Any suggestions? He had a lot of good suggestions, and as it turns out, we bonded over bourbon. Okay, let me just say the difference between me and you. I would say, do you want wine? He would say no. I'd say, what do you drink? It took you a month to ask him, is there something else you want to drink no, besides I, what I, I have just, open? I would just say, anything else? <laughs> I didn't go, you know, I'll, have a, I'll just have a, a, a chocolate milk. Right. He's a nice kid. John Rich, yeah. uh, he made me want to drink bourbon. Yeah, but right. again, I just don't find. I'm going to try. I'm going to start trying every it's day. It's good. I, I've got some favorites. Uh, may I suggest Blanton's is delicious. Okay, I've been drinking a lot of Bullet, uh, and the I think my favorite one right now is called Angels okay. Envy. This might be an intervention. We have to call. <laughs> this is three different bourbons. I only have one drink at night, right. but it's a good one. Well, I know you take it slow. That's what that shows your maturity. Sometimes I, I'm a sprinter. Uh, the Happy in a Hurry Cookbook. Everyone's talking about it. You got to make it number one, and I think it's got to happen today. You got to come back because you can't go on tour, so you got to yep. come back, talk about your political knowledge, and talk about the book. I Is it a deal? To. Deal. Thank All you, right. Mister Kilmeade. Sounds good. Uh, Happy in a hurry. Cookbook. Stephen Kathy Ducey put it together. You got to go check it out. Everybody you know is in it. Uh, Steve, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. Hey, when we come back, I'm going to be on Fox Business Network with Varney and Company. We'll see if Stuart Varney came to work today. I can't wait. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. 
Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. Brian Kilmeade, the Brian Kilmeade Show. I love this time every week. We get to go do a simulcast on one of the fastest growing channels in all of cable, Fox Business Network, and we're doing it with uh, Stuart Varney. And he's going to be talking about uh, the debate tonight, of course, and then something else we don't discuss much, but it has a lot to do with sports business. Let's go. Let's listen. And he's got something to say about this, I guarantee. Here he is, Brian Kilmeade, host of The Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian, I hope you heard that. The, Brian, the Biden team wants two breaks during the 90 minutes. So far, they've not agreed to that. Why do you think they want two breaks? You know exactly why. The same way yeah. he put a lid on his his campaign yesterday at 9:10 in the morning. The same reason why he's taken four days off to prepare for debates he's been practicing for for 47 years. The same reason why he took many breaks with Anderson Cooper when he took some of those friendly questions in that town hall. He needs a break to recalibrate. If you look, he was able to give solid answers, not tough questions, but solid answers with Anderson Cooper on his feet. But over an hour, they say he got he has 20 strong minutes. And I don't think the Trump team should give in at all on this. Straight through, 90 minutes. If you can't go 90 minutes, you can't be president, Stuart. How many hours do you exactly. go? Exactly. 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 Well, look, I do three hours. You do six hours. You do from six in the morning till 12 noon. I should Fox be president. And and radio. Why, why am I not president? <laughs> well, <laughs> How, why is that? But I, I, I just find this really telling. The whole issue tonight is, can Joe Biden get through 90 minutes, not show fatigue, show that he's got focus, don't make any gaffes, and show that you can be the president of the United States of America? To request two breaks, to me, is a dead giveaway. What do you make of the other request? This is from the Trump campaign, that a third party inspect the two people on, in the debates for something in their ears, like an IFB that you and I wear, that you can be spoken to by people off camera. Now, so far, uh, Joe Biden has not agreed to that inspection. What do you make of that? I think two things. Number one, the same thing with the drug test and the earpiece, it's head games. Uh, and I'm not saying that he's got word that they're going to be speaking right. to him because, as you know, Stuart, I mean, this is my version of IFB and radio. You have one in your ear. But they don't talk to you while you're talking. So it would be kind of crazy to have an earpiece when you're in a debate, which I know the other person speaks for two minutes, but at any moment, if they talk to you, you're cut out from the person across. But I think it's to get in his head. There's no way this guy is not propped up. There's no way he does not need uh, a break to, in order to get through it. And his hiding and the hiding Biden line works. The other thing that's effective is Trump's got to win. Biden's got to tie. I believe a tie goes yep. to Biden. I believe yep. a solid performance goes to Biden. But Trump, and I rewatched these debates because I'm lonely. Uh, I rewatched two of his debates, the last one with Chris Wallace. He interrupts, and it threw Hillary Clinton, who's a much better debater, much smarter. And Hillary Clinton would be jarred when he would say, not true, uh, you're a liar, or it never happened. She'd stop. Can you imagine Joe Biden when he hears a couple of interruptions like, that's not exactly what happened. You were there the whole time. Those little barbs will throw him off. And if you but, see him discombobulated, that's the win the president's looking for. But the president must not come across as a bully. I mean, that could encourage the sympathy vote for the elderly Joe Biden. I hate to put it like that, but, you know, that could happen. Possibly. But when something's so serious about the future of the country, you could be direct and not be a bully. And I think it's a lot harder... 
and I hope this doesn't come out wrong, but I think it's a, hard, a lot harder if you're debating a woman like Joe Biden had a much harder time with Sarah Palin than he did with Paul Ryan. Because if you look like a bully uh, to a female candidate, you could look like a sexist as opposed to somebody who just disagrees. That's just where our society is right now. He could turn around with a guy that's already told one of his one of the people in his audience, a supporter of his, hey, uh, yelled at him because he questioned by, uh, Hunter Biden's investments. He challenged him a push-up contest, called him fat. Then he yeah. called up somebody else who asked questions about uh, some of his investments and said, are you a junkie? Uh, really? Yeah. So uh-huh. we watch that. Joe Biden's been rude a lot, and he's gotten away with it. And when he's challenged, he, he likes going right back at blue-collar Joe, likes going back at Park Avenue Trump. Yeah. We'll see how that yeah. goes for him. Uh, let's be honest. Um, I work very similar hours to you. I walk into the studio here about just before 4 o'clock every morning. I get out of bed at 2.45. There's no way I'm going to be watching the debate live tonight. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to watch it live. Uh, wow. No doubt about it. That's why they made Viverin. I'm only kidding. Uh, but no, I mean, listen, I, I could always rally for one day. I'll be tired the next day, but I got to watch it live. What I'm going to tape is the post game uh, yes. because I have my own opinions yes. on it. But yes. you got to get through it because this is going to be must watch TV. It's not, uh, you know, yes. we, what, we rolled a clip of Joe Lieberman and Dick Cheney. That was an yep. intellectual debate that I could miss. It was great, but it was something I could tape. This is live television. Don't give it's, me the Super Bowl on tape. You've got to see it. Brian, I'm out of time. Hard break coming up. You know about that. Brian Kilmeade, everybody. Thanks very much. See you soon, Brian. Go get him, Stuart. All right. Well, uh, we'll go back to the phones, 1-866-408-7669. And if I have some time to do that, I will. But here's, here's one thing that, that's important to bring up. I don't think you could really be a bully unless you're – if he questions the cognitive ability of Joe Biden, that's one thing. If you say you're dumb, that's that's name calling. I'm not. It's not the time for name calling. But if you're going at President, uh, Vice President Biden about the Obama Biden administration, about what the FBI was doing, which he knew about, about the briefing that he was a part of, uh, about the Libya operation, even though foreign policy won't necessarily be on this the Libya operation that made that a terrorist state that he supported, and compare his Iran deal to the peace that we now have taking and the recognition of Israel that we now have taking root in the Middle East. I mean, that's not a bully. That's being direct. And then when you talk about the economy and what they did and where's that $800 billion stimulus package and how did it work, you could be direct. You could cut them off. You could say, no, I asked you a question. That's not being a bully. But what Rudy Giuliani did today is a little bit of a risk when he said, well, I I think he's got dementia. The president should not say that. Because a lot of people in a lot of people's lives have somebody suffering from that. And if it is, in fact, true, uh, that is not something you want to do. And plus, it doesn't work to the president's advantage. Um, anyway, either way, it's going to be fun. Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Make sure to get the stream or out of the podcast. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. 
Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade Show coming your way from New York and heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, this is the show you can look to for all your latest political information, especially the news information that's breaking. We're following the story of uh, Amy Coney Barrett making her way through Capitol Hill, introducing herself to Republican senators. Many Democratic senators are balking at that opportunity. We'll bring you the latest there. And also in Cleveland, we know where the big event's going to be taking place. It's going to be in Cleveland, Ohio. It's supposed to be in South Bend, Indiana, on the campus of Notre Dame. But inexplicably, they canceled. They said their students couldn't really enjoy it. Really? They'll be at the campus at Case Western University at the Cleveland Clinic. And stunningly, and I have got no explanation for this, but they expect protests, which we know usually morph into riots. What are you protesting? That there's a debate? Uh, that we have a political system? Uh, is he just going to be anti-Trump? Is it going to be anti, I don't know, pro-Trump? What are you protesting? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 100 million rapid point-of-care tests will be given to states and territories to support efforts to reopen their economies and schools immediately and fast as they can. I think that's pretty big news. Uh, Coronavirus update. Case rises 21 states. Fall in 11 states. New York threatens another lockdown to a degree, something which I do not believe New Yorkers will tolerate. This is some experts brace for a second wave in October. And this is there is new hope for a rescue package. This is good news as Pelosi and Mnuchin speak for the second straight day. Number two. President Trump and his party and Judge Barrett will overturn the Affordable Care Act. And they won't stop there. That's so natural, the way she reads, isn't it? Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett begins her rounds on Capitol Hill, which I mentioned. I don't agree with Ted Cruz, and you'll hear from him shortly, that this will be more personally destructive than the Kavanaugh hearings. Plus, I'll tell you the chances of an up-and-down vote on Election Day. Number one. I would smoke them out also on a lot of these far-left issues about raising taxes. You said you'd raise taxes twice as much as Hillary Clinton. You said you want a public option. Barack Obama even didn't even go for a public option. How far left are you going to take America? Well, uh, that was Ari Fleischer. Debate night. Uh, tonight at 9 p.m., tune into Fox. It'll be a night fr- uh, Trump has to win if he wants four more years in the White House. That's what I believe. This amid New York Times reports, um, additional reports on his taxes, on what he did with The Apprentice and what he did with licensing, and a stubborn pandemic, which as Joe Biden plans to focus on, why well, I believe Trump is better prepared and how I see it playing out. Number one, I see... Um, uh, Chris Kaliza, uh, and he is talking about how he watched back in the Washington Post and he watched the debates back and he can't believe what a great debater Donald Trump is. Can't believe it. He just realized Donald Trump is this great debater. First, we heard he was unorthodox. And if you look at all the reviews, he lost every single debate. Every single time Hillary Clinton had more substance, Donald Trump didn't know anything. He lost his temper. He made, was made to look bad. Now he's this great debater. Trump said he won every single debate, and the people gave him the election. They're just admitting that now, Democrats, that the president actually won the election. Here are the topics. It's going to be Trump and Biden records. Makes sense. The Supreme Court, obviously. COVID-19, of course. The economy, Trump can't wait to talk about that. Now, he'll keep pointing to the fact, Joe Biden, the post-pandemic economy. He'll also talk to the fact, and Joe Biden uh, will have to deal with his economy, the slowest growing and the, and the uh, slowest moving recovery in the history of recoveries after uh, the Great Recession. Uh, race and violence in our cities 
and the president will embrace that. Number one, you can't say he avoided the race issue. He fully supported Tim Scott and what he was doing for uh, law enforcement reform. And guess what? Police had bought into it when it comes to handling today's inner city challenges, especially. And then when it comes to law and order, you could point to the fact that Joe Biden's been months late. The integrity of the election. Look, the president's now got this story by Veritas, which has video in Minneapolis, where they're talking about ballot harvesting with an ally of Elon Omar. This is caught on tape to the point where Minneapolis is now investigating. The FBI is already investigating ballots were found, I think, seven to nine were found in Pennsylvania. There's also military ballots that were found in a, uh, in a post office tray. In another state. So the president will welcome this. And keep in mind, what he's trying to say in, the, in his own typical ham-handed way is we just want to make sure when a state decides in the summer to change election, their election procedure in the fall, that you can't possibly have updated voter rolls to make you feel as though that state will be well represented by the totals. So he's saying, well, uh, I don't know about these ballots. It's not going to work. It's a fraud. It's a fake. They're trying to steal the election. Would I have said it like that? No. Would you have said it like that? No. But was he saying, I'm worried about the mail-in ballots, uh, ballot harvesting? Now, you could point to this if you're Joe Biden. Yeah, there was ballot harvesting. It was in North Carolina and was a Republican. Yes, president should say you're right. I don't want it. Can we just agree that we want a fair and honest outcome? And then we all agree to it. But the president just pushes and pushes and pushes. If he feels he's being taken advantage of, he's going to hammer you. Hence the Mueller investigation. He kept his powder dry for a while. John Dowd asked him to. And then he said, screw this. Jeff Sessions, you're out. I've been quiet for the longest time. I need new lawyers. You're in. You're out. Let's go. And he ends up, the Mueller report came out because he knew he wasn't colluding with the Russians. So the president finds himself uh, neck and neck in Ohio. I think it's down to three points. He's up three points from where he was, but he still technically trails in Ohio. At stake, 18 electoral votes. So uh, with this uh, comes the president having to deal with uh, the debate challenges and taking on Joe Biden, who, I'm going to be kind, has been uneven. In a group setting, he was terrible. The only time he was passable is when he was no longer the leader and people weren't focused on him. And he would say, well, I haven't got any questions, and he would yell something. And it was almost sad. And you wonder, with so little money and such a bad showing in Iowa and New Hampshire, would he continue to Nevada? He said, yeah, I'll last till South Carolina. When Bernie Sanders ended up being the nominee, it looked like the nominee, that's when uh, Congressman Clyburn stepped up, gave him South Carolina, and he would not look back. Here's what Ari Fleischer said Trump should do. Cut eight. I would smoke him out also on a lot of these far left issues about raising taxes. You said you raised taxes twice as much as Hillary Clinton. You said you want a public option. Barack Obama even didn't even go for a public option. How far left are you going to take America? Force him to unite with Bernie Sanders on these domestic policies. That's where you want to go. And then I'd bring up the Iran deal, too. Um, what he can show is how weak Joe Biden is across the board. He's so weak, he no longer adheres to the positions he used to take. He's so weak, he won't stand up to China anymore. And we have to just see how strong he is just being on a stage at 9 o'clock at night till 1030 at night. Let's watch oh, that, too. And there's reports now that they're demanding two breaks, maybe three breaks in the 90-minute broadcast. He's not going to do it. They don't want to do it. Trump team doesn't want to do it. They're also, which I think is gamesmanship, saying they need a, an, a third party to inspect the candidate's ears to make sure people are not giving Joe Biden the questions. The same way he's saying they're giving him shots and drugs uh, to get him uh, perked up because he thought Joe Biden did so much dramatically better one-on-one 
with Bernie Sanders than he did in the group setting. You wonder if he was getting uh, drugs. And the president's been saying that. But I also think that's gamesmanship. Remember, the president loves boxing, UFC. They do this stuff all the time. So what's Joe Biden's game plan? Well, evidently, he's going to attempt to fact check in real time. Good luck with that. Politico says his supporters want him to stick to COVID-19 and the economy. Don't waste valuable time fact-checking the president who's going to come back and slap you back. Uh, Biden has been holding mock sessions with a guy named Bruce Bauer, who's a senior aide with a, and a former White House general counsel, playing the part of the president, Democratic strategist Dave Mudcat Saunders, who said he voted for Trump the last time. For the president, I think in limited sessions, my belief, he's got Chris Christie and Rudy Giuliani and his son-in-law in August – uh, Jared Kushner was working from the Biden point of view, as was Jason Miller. So some idiosyncrasies offering some examples on debate weaknesses uh, when they are examining when tr- when um, when Joe Biden gets angry. He says, come on, man. He says they're trying to identify words to trigger him to reboot. It makes him uneven. The president's got to be saying things like not true. Always. He's lying again. Little things while Biden's answering will throw him off. Those are my words. Uh, He goes on to say, according to a source in the Trump camp, he does have certain things that he uses when he's not confident in an answer, trying to change the subject to make viewers forget the actual question. That, according to Jason Miller, who's been on our show. Now, Mick Mulvaney said something that I've been thinking about for a while, and sadly, I didn't say it, so you're going to have to go on my word on this. Mick Mulvaney former chief of staff, obviously, former OMB director, predicted that this will be the only debate because he says a gaffe would dash Joe Biden's presidential hopes. If he freezes, if he looks really unsure of himself and looks like he's way past his prime, and Donald Trump can do it in a humorous way, point out what's going on and talk about all these other things, the Biden camp will say it's not worth risking doing this again, and they won't. Here's Britt Hume on what he expects from the debate and what he expects to happen tonight, cut nine. Well, I suspect that part of the concern is that people on the left know that Joe Biden is not his former self. Uh, He's plainly, to some extent, at least senile. He's had trouble repeatedly uh, with his memory, uh, unable to remember things he wanted to say, getting stopped in the middle of his sentence with a blank look on his face, um, forgetting exactly where he was uh, at a given moment, and so on, which is not to say that's all going to show up necessarily, but if, if I were a Biden supporter, I would be anxious about that because, uh, you know, he's gotten old, and when you get old, it happens. Uh, Brett Hume's constantly said that. We had uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani on the show today. He said the same thing. I would not say that. I would never, in a million years, even if I thought someone suffered from dementia, I wouldn't even say it uh, to a close friend about a third party. It is just so debilitating, and I think it, could, it really brings up emotions with a lot of people who have had that happen to uh, other people in their lives. It's brutal. And I am not a doctor. And if you had a, a brain surgeon on here and Bernie, you know, Ben Carson says, listen, that it's happening, that's one thing. But I would not say that unless I knew for sure. Brid Hume says, I'm about his age, and I'm forgetting stuff left and right, but not to the degree he is. And Brid Hume's the best in the business. He could say it. I don't feel comfortable uh, saying it. And I don't think for, for, the, for, the, for any – there's no scenario where if I'm Trump, I say it. But he's different. So I just talked about voter fraud before and what's going on in voter fraud. 
So there's a there's a story out there, James O'Keefe, who works for uh, Veritas, and he goes hears about what's happening with ballot harvesting in Minneapolis and goes undercover. And it turns out he's gotten on camera, and you'll see some of this video online. You have people working for Elon Omar who's ballot harvesting, and they talk about uh, grabbing a bunch of ballots and filling them out for other people. It's so bad that Minneapolis says they're beginning to investigate on their own. So he is the founder and CEO of Veritas, and essentially— You have a situation where on the ground you have a guy on camera. uh, His name is Laban Muhammad. Quote, money is everything. Money is the king of the world. If you you got no money, you should not be here, period. You know what I'm saying? Money is everything. Muhammad goes on to say, numbers do not lie. Numbers don't lie. You can see my car is full. All these here are absentee ballots. Can't you see that? Look at all these. My car is full. When we sign the voting document and they fill it out, and they fill it out is when they give us the money. The minute we sign the thing for the election, that's when we get paid. Ballot harvesting triangle, that's what they're calling it. The River Plaza Apartments, that's where it's located. The Horn Tower Seniors, that's who's being taken advantage of. And there are 980 Hennepin polling sites, all subject to fraud. Here's the question. As Minneapolis Somali Community Insider says this, it's an open secret. Elon Omar will do anything that she can to get elected, and she has hundreds of people on the streets doing that. Look. When Al Franken was elected in Minnesota, there was some lot of unsavory rumors. And now you have this, and you know what Minnesota, the president really believes he can win there? And this is the type of thing that can make the difference. Here's James O'Keefe talking about what he found. Cut 11. And this is incontrovertible evidence. The first time we've ever actually seen the deed being done on tape. The media says there's no evidence. Even the director of the FBI last week said there's no evidence of voter fraud. Well, there you have it. It's a state crime. You can't even have more than three ballots in your possession in Minnesota. And it's a federal crime because this guy was going around residential buildings in Minneapolis, pressuring people for these ballots, taking them away from the elderly. Sean, this is the story that may change things. It's all on tape. They can no longer deny it. That's what we're saying. I want Joe Biden to stand with the president and say, I'm I'm bothered by this, too. 1-866-408-7669. one 866 I see all the lines up there from New Jersey to Brooklyn uh, to Arizona to Florida to Montreal. We're going to get to all of you. Man, we're getting bigger in Canada. Back in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I fully expect the confirmation hearing to be a political circus. I, I expect... The Democratic base demands that they do everything they can. I think we'll see a, a Cory Booker Spartacus moment. Uh, and, and we're already seeing them target Judge Barrett's young kids, which is really despicable. Kids should be off limits. On the merits, she is a very strong choice. I'm confident the Senate is going to confirm her and do so by the end of the month. Well, that's interesting. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz really thinks it's going to get ugly again. I don't think it's going to get that personally ugly. Uh, if you're going to say, well, where did you adopt these Haitian kids from? Uh, excuse me, you have five kids. We know nannies are going to be bringing them up. Uh, we know that you are going to use this opportunity um, you know, to uh, further your charismatic Catholic uh, church. 
I, I don't see it. Uh, what are you guys chanting? I, don't, I just don't see it, especially because they really got hurt with the Kavanaugh situation. Kavanaugh got hurt, absolutely. But Republicans didn't. I mean, it was Democrats that sat there and said, on your high school yearbook, what does it mean to write Ralph? Uh, what does that mean? Uh, during your trip on Fenway Park, when you got two guys together, was there drinking on the bus? Oh, drinking on the bus in college? When does that happen? I guess you can't be a Supreme Court justice then. Lou, listening online in New Jersey. Hey, Lou. Hey, how we doing, Brian? Can you hear me? Yep. What's on your mind? Well, first, I want to thank Fox for being an awesome radio station, taking phone calls like this. It's nice to hear from people out there in the world that Absolutely. compare what they got what they got going on it's an amazing thing i've been listening to you uh since march listening to fox radio from march but i've been watching you on tv for years brian so it's, it's a privilege to be here but i did want to mention uh you were asking about the effect of donald trump not paying a tax taxes uh and what that effect is on his voters i think it's going to be very little effect on his voters uh we understand that the tax code is positioned like that uh the working class might not be happy about it, but if we owned businesses, uh, especially as large as that, uh, I can guarantee you when we handed in our taxes to our accountant, we would tell them to do everything they can do just like he does. Uh, so I don't think that's going to change the vote, but I am excited that it is bringing some of the tax code uh, to the surface here. Uh, I think everybody would agree that maybe that needs worked on a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, heard you, I heard you mention yesterday to a caller that these are in place to create jobs. Uh, for people. Uh, but at the same time, uh, even as a conservative, uh, I do agree with low taxes, but I do not agree with no income tax unless everybody pays no income tax. Good job, uh, I Lou. Believe- I, I appreciate your perspective and thanks for your kind words. Susan, WABC. Real quick, Susan. Okay. Okay. With the plethora of issues going on tonight, really hot issues, I truly believe that the president has an amazing opportunity to speak to a lot of parents who maybe aren't always, you know, into every um, nuance, and that if he can um, steer the social justice issue to the disparity in quality education for children who are, you know, trapped in um, democratic strongholds where into failing schools and um, not the opportunity for school choice. And the Democrats, are they can't back away from their obstruction. Yeah, school choice would be great, Susan. I also think college debt, college debt, uh, the parent loans to get kids into college is a $70,000 that out. It just really strangles the whole family. I would love to see him tackle that. It would really resonate across party lines. Back with John Roberts from Washington next. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's all about delegitimizing the president and feeding into some kind of a false narrative that the president doesn't listen to the science or the scientists. I'm not here to make friends. You know, I mean, there are certain experts that say what I just said, which is vulnerable people protection and save lives by also opening up society safely. And there are other experts that say things like, no, you shouldn't wear masks to yes, you should wear masks to hey, a mask is better than a vaccine. Or uh, some other expert might say, no, you shouldn't wear masks and then change to yes, we should wear masks and then, oh, everyone should wear goggles. 
You're not going to hear me say that, but the president has a choice of experts to listen to. And what he's saying is Anthony Fauci brought up the goggles thing when it was questioned because he does policy by interview. And he also said, don't wear masks. No reason to wear a mask. And then he says, I don't wear masks because I don't go out much. Then he says, everyone's got to wear a mask. How dare you not wear masks? And then we talk about Redfield. He said, masks are so good, they're better than a vaccine. So Scott Atlas, who evidently is getting some backbiting about his presence within the Trump administration, has at least showed his loyalty to President Trump. Right now, when it comes to the coronavirus, there's nothing more important. I would argue that because we've got to get back to normal. We've got to be able to stand up the economy. We've got to be able to get kids back to school and college, by the way. And on sports, on every level, whether you're a pro or you're just uh, playing sandlot ball. Meanwhile, on the numbers, uh, 20 states reported uh, coronavirus spikes. 11 states have drops. In terms of deaths, we're minus 3% over the last 14 days on the 14-day average. And we're up 15% in overall cases. They are in Europe. A lot of countries have that second wave. In Israel, they shut down again. And there's concern the second wave is coming here. They say, brace yourself for October. Okay. I'll brace myself for October. What new you want us to do? I mean, we're six feet apart. We're wearing the masks. Uh, you know, we're not shaking hands. We promise not to smile. Uh, what else? Uh, have we heard any new nuances? Don, listening online in Montreal. Hey, Don. Uh, good morning. Uh, yeah, just a couple of fast points for the uh, for the nomination for uh, Amy Corey Barrett. Um, the the uh, democrats uh, are going to uh, follow the limbo dance and are going to go as low as they possibly can go you know how low can you go and the uh, i don't know whether they're going to have michael avenatti involved again or not but uh, they're going to they're going to be as bad as they can you really uh, think so you oh, think yeah. it's going to get personal you think they're going to find people in college that said uh, that she prayed too much or drank too much Probably they're going to they're going to come up with something. It's just incredible, you know. You project yourself uh, twenty twenty five years in the in the future as a historian and look back and see what's going on today, and they're just going to be astounded at what's going on. Yeah. Uh, second point I'd like to make is about the uh, the taxes with President Trump. Yep. Uh, there's an old uh, film clip somewhere where uh, Harry Reid is being questioned by a reporter, and they're talking about Mitch Romney not paying his taxes. And reporter asked uh, Reed, that was a lie, wasn't it? And uh, Reed said, yes, it was. And he paused, and then he said, but it worked. And that's what's going on today. Well, that's uh, exactly happened. This has a lot more uh, numbers in it. And the president said a lot of this fake news is taken in such chunks uh, it is not in context. And we don't have any of the paperwork because they want to protect their sources. He did actually say that, Don. You had 100% right. I appreciate it. Meanwhile... I don't believe you're going to go after her. I think because she's so smart, so quick. She just got confirmed. We know her her weakness, and I'm being sarcastic, is her religion. Uh, And we know the fact that that Obamacare is coming up and that she wrote that John Roberts kind of blew it by sustaining Obamacare years ago, uh, that they expect her to get rid of it. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it puts it on the table. But if you want to know the type of person she is and why I don't believe— Even Democrats won't go after her because they know it'll boomerang. Here's her talking about, in 2019, talking about expanding her family. Cut one. Jesse was on the phone with the adoption agency, working out the logistics to go pick up John Peter in Florida. I just wasn't really feeling that great. Turned out Juliet was going to be coming along that year, so we had an intense three-hour period where we had to decide were we going to go forward with going to get John Peter in Florida. 
um, because we discovered that Juliet was going to be coming um, that year too. Like we had really wanted five, but now <laughs> it was kind of like five and six. So I threw my coat on. We live very close to campus. I threw my coat on, and it was January. So you, those of you who are from South Bend or lived in South Bend know the weather. I walked up to the cemetery on campus, and I just sat down on one of the benches, and I just thought, okay, well, if life's really hard, at least it's short. <laughs> um, but I thought, like, what, what greater thing can you do than raise children? Well, what a great, uh, what a great line! I never heard that before. Life is short. At least it's short. Life, uh, life is hard, but at least it's short. So she has seven kids and is making it work. And people are mocking her for that, saying it's like the Kardashians when they salt their old pairs into the closet and act as if they're really changing the babies and feeding them and bringing them to soccer practice. Unbelievable to go there. And the husband's got a thriving legal practice as well. But can a lot of two-parent families relate to that? If not seven kids, two kids, and they might be in awe of the fact that she's able to do all of that. And then still went out to Haiti and gave two kids what I imagine are uh, fulfilling lives and given opportunity in upper-class family with a lot of influence and probably in an area which provides a great education. I really didn't think that was a weakness. Emily listening, KNKI in Arizona. Emily, let's talk about the debate. Hey, um, I just wanted to comment on uh, that Amy Barrett really quick uh, before Mm -hmm. I commented on the debate. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, this all happened so fast with the Supreme Court justice and, you know, her being a woman, um, you know, it kind of like uh, it's hard for the Democrats to come against her because it's kind of like what they stand for. You know, we have the squad and Nancy Pelosi and stuff like that. It's like, you know, they're about like women empowerment and stuff like that. And it's just, I really don't know what they're going to come up with to come against her. And, you know, mm. I, I I kind of agree with you that I think it's just going to be a quick process and there's not really going to be much, you know, uh, that, that arises, you know, against her. You do her. agree with me. Then you have to be smart. And what else did you want to bring up? Um, I just wanted to say during the debate, I really hope that when Joe Biden comes against Trump and talks about everything that he hasn't done or things that he has done wrong, I just really want Trump to turn around and be like, well, what would you do, Joe? You know, and just like put him on the spot. Like, I just really get tired of hearing uh, Joe Biden talk about, you know, Trump in such a negative way, but he never turns around and says, you know, well, this is what I would do. You know, it really. Oh, Emily, I, I, you, you bring up a great point, and here, here, I'll drill down on it a little bit. So, what does Joe Biden say to do? I would uh, get testing out there. Well, the president, now that we know what test works and what coronavirus is, we got testing out there. Could it be better? Sure, but do you want to take control of every single state? Good luck with that. You got fifty uh, wants and needs immediately, and they want it all yesterday. Oh, let's wear a mask. Okay, make a mask mandate. Although constitutionally you can't, I could urge governors to do it. All right, I'm pretty sure we're doing that. Well, I'm going to wear a mask and be a better example. Okay, congratulations. You'll be a better example. Let's see how far that goes. If, that, if that's all you got, because that's all we're getting. He said nothing different. And we know his chief of staff, Ron Klain, came out, and the only reason why the H1N1 wasn't a bigger deal is because they got extremely lucky with the swine flu. They got extremely lucky. He said they almost did everything wrong. And that's Ron Klain, his former chief of staff, who's helping him with the debates right now. So that, that is right to your point. And the president should turn around like that. You know, uh, I wouldn't leave it open-ended. What would you do? 
you would come out and you would say, not what you do. Hey, Joe, I looked at what you've been saying about the coronavirus, uh, I'm, and I'd list four things that you do. He'd go, we're doing all of them already. And the ventilators was something new, and thankfully we did so well on them, we were able to ship in other countries. So that's going to be challenging. What I think that he's got to do is decide if he's going to so-called fact-check in real time the president. Cut 10 is Robbie Mook who uh, failed to get Hillary Clinton elected. Cut 10. The campaign has announced that he is going to be laser focused on his own agenda. You know, it's really easy. We face this with Hillary. It's very easy to get bogged down in fact checking uh, Donald Trump. A lot of what he's going to say is not true. Uh, Trump is, is desperate in this debate to change the narrative somehow. Let's stop talking about COVID. Let's stop making this a referendum on his presidency. Let's bring something else up. Uh, and Joe Biden's got to keep this uh, a referendum on Donald Trump. So I think that's what uh, we'll see him doing. But uh, he, he, he cannot get bogged down in checking every fact. Otherwise, he's never going to talk about what he wants to say. Plus, listen, he, no one thinks that he's somebody that can keep a filing cabinet in his head in order to answer Donald Trump's questions, fact check what he thinks is erroneous, and be able to still talk about his agenda. He can't do it. And I think if his handlers would tell him to do it or he does it, He'll go down in flames even quicker than I think he will go down in flames. So I hope that the president of the United States does not give in on the brakes. I know he's asking for a sweep of the ears, but that's gamesmanship because nobody want, nobody can function with someone speaking in their ears who aren't trained for it. Joe Biden is not trained for it, and if someone's going to be speaking to him anyway— it will block out what the other guy's saying across from you, and you could actually fall flat on your face. The other thing I wanted to bring up is the big story in Trump taxes over the last two days, extensive stories about how Donald Trump would license out his name to various condos and different complexes and different uh, business opportunities around the country, get big fees. And uh, off The Apprentice, how much money he made is flat-out stunning, but he earned it. They were the number one show for a while. Even on the way down, they were still, he was still making five, ten, twenty million dollars. But he was making fifty-seven million for other periods of time. But when it comes to the taxes, I don't think anybody is astounded. The only reason is is because we waited, we had to wait so long to get this information. Plus, the president's pushed back pretty hard, saying a lot of this information is flat out wrong. For Bill de Blasio, who's dying to talk about anything about except his 16% unemployment, his huge deficits, he believes that New York's problems would be solved if they just cracked down on Donald Trump. Cut 13. I think we can guarantee, based on the information in the New York Times, that he hasn't paid his city taxes the way he should have. Look, this is going to give us a lot of information to work with, and our city finance department will get to work right away to determine if, in fact, the President of the United States cheated New York City on his taxes. But I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point, given everything we've seen from this guy. Right, uh, everything we've seen from this guy. So the IRS has missed it for 30 years, but it's going to take the New York Times exposing it uh, that the IRS is not doing their job. We'll see. 16% unemployment in New York City. The numbers are astounding how bad things are and how they're just dying for a bailout. New York City is now bracing for... Uh, uh, since there's outbreaks in eight neighborhoods, they might start cracking down and locking down. Do you realize what that does to restaurants, to bars, to gyms? New York City's will return to the classroom as early as today, but New York City Principals Union has voted a no confidence on Mayor de Blasio. They want him to hand control over to somebody else. He is terrible. one 408 I'll come back with some more calls. We'll finish up this hour only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
a radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Brian Kilmeade, the Brian Kilmeade Show, finishing up this hour. Let's go out to uh, Cleveland, where John Roberts is covering the debate, the pregame, the game, and the postgame. John, what about this last maneuver, the latest maneuver, that they they suddenly want breaks in the debate, the Biden camp? (laughs) Yeah, I talked to somebody from the Trump campaign a short time ago who said, our guy doesn't need breaks. He gives 90-minute speeches, although lately a 90-minute speech would be a short speech. The, I think I think the president, the last time the president gave a speech, I think it was close to two hours, if not two hours long. So, I mean, I mean th- this idea that Biden would want a break in, in the debate, you know, uh, I, I haven't heard it from the Biden side. I've heard it from the Trump side, so I'm not sure if it's, if it's absolutely real, but the rules of the game are – you stand there for 90 minutes. You don't you don't get a break. And then, of course, the other thing is the Trump campaign floated that they want a third party to look into the candidates ears before they go on stage to make sure that there's no receiver in their ear so that they can get answers to the question. Remember back in was it the 2000 debate when when uh, candidate Bush had a little bump uh, in between his shoulders underneath his jacket. Everybody thought it was a transmitter or, or a receiver. You know, that's, 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 that's where we are today with all this stuff. And I'm not sure how much of it to believe, Brian. So I know the, the Trump camp does not believe much in the polls. And they, if you bring up a poll to them, they say, well, it's a wrong math, and they're all skewered. But do you think they feel like they're losing and that they need to like win just to dominate tonight? I think they I think they need to have if not a knockout moment they need to have a moment where where Biden is wounded and uh you know you could maybe try to do that on policy or you could maybe try to do that in terms of you know Biden's uh appearance you know if the president can get Biden into a moment where he stammers or looks like he's lost his place or something like that that would that would be a killer moment for the president but looking at how Biden's been uh, for the last few weeks, I mean, he seems to be completely lucid and, uh, you know, he seems to have, uh, you know, command of, of any uh, questions or statements that he's been, uh, you know, answering or giving. Uh, so the Biden that we saw, you know, earlier this year where he seemed to lose his place, that sort of thing, seems to have been the Biden of the past. So if the president wants to try to get one of those moments where he can knock him off balance, uh, he's going to have to try pretty hard to do it. But I'm not sure it's going to happen. Brian. Really? That's interesting, John, for you to say that, because he did say he was in the Senate for 180 years over the weekend. <laughs> Maybe it just feels like 180 years. Right. Uh, do you think, do you, do you, you know, the, the stories that you've been you've been talking about and we've been reading is the Trump team's been studying the Biden tapes to see what sets him off. If you talk about his family, in 99% of the time, it sets him off. Yep. I guarantee yep. you he's going to bring up his family. Yeah, well, I think Hunter Biden is going to come up tonight for sure. I, th- I think that the president will will take a question and veer off and say, what about Hunter Biden? What about all this money from Mos- the, the, the wife of the mayor of Moscow? What about this money from China? Because the president's got that ripped down at, at every campaign rally. He hits Biden on that. So for him to take a left turn uh, from a question and try to hit Biden on on his son, Hunter, I, I don't think that's a stretch at all. And I think the president is going to try to do whatever he can to get, get under his skin. But he's got to be careful how much he tries to do that, Brian, because people are going to be looking for a substantive debate and, you know, some sort of comparing and contrasting on policy. 
and how the Trump policies differ from the Biden policies. And they're going to be looking for the president's vision on on what a Biden presidency would do to the things that the president has been trying to do for the last three and a half years. And so it can't all just be attack, attack, attack. So Giuliani said on your program this morning, as you know, that the president's probably going to try to take Biden's head off. And I'm like, Hillary Clinton in 2016, he doesn't need to dial back at all. He could just go after him full force. Well, that's kind of interesting. What about the tax story, the revelations, the 16,000-word story Sunday, and then another one to follow up today? How much damage do they think that they did, if at all, to them and their candidacy and their candidate and I mean, the president? I mean, first of all, curious timing, don't you think, about, oh. uh, you know, you've got you've got documents that you've had, how, how long, who knows how long they've had to, to go through these documents and weave this story together, and then you drop it two days before the debate and then a day before the debate. Uh, I think it's going to give Biden an opportunity to say, you know, you, you talk about yourself being a, uh, a champion of the working class. Well, all of these working class people, and he may even go so far as to say, here's how much the average nurse uh, pays in taxes. Here's how much the average police officer pays in taxes. You know, here's how much the, the average retired military person pays in, in taxes. Uh, and you, Mr. President, didn't pay any tax. And then when you did, you paid $750. And I think he may be able to, to, to make some headway on, on that. Supporters of the president think that this is all a setup. I know. Uh, but, you know, you're looking for those moderate voters uh, who you might turn or you're looking for people who voted for Trump in 2016 who may not be thinking about gotcha. voting for him this year. And maybe you can hang on to them and keep them on your side. Uh, John Roberts, always great, informative. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.